Hello, I'm Ian Cheeseman and this is Forever Blue, uh, weekly uh, Manchester City podcast. If you've not discovered us before, welcome along. Uh, the format of the programme is that we'll be talking about City for around about an hour. Uh, and I have a variety of different guests that join me each and every week. We've had ex-players on, uh, we've had uh, other people who might work in the entertainment industry, journalists, and we have regulars as well. And we also, and I must at this point, be very grateful for the support of charleslouis.co.uk, who are chartered mortgage advisors who are based in Ramsbottom, which is near Bury uh, in Greater Manchester, for their support for this podcast, which is very much appreciated. So if you are looking for a new mortgage or you have um, some perhaps in your business, some dealings with having to get mortgages or advice, then I would urge you to give them a call. If you look on their website, charleslouis.co.uk, the Louis spelled L-O-U-I-S. So charleslouis1.co.uk, there'll be a phone number on there and uh, Dave's your man, have a, have a word with him, tell him you heard about him or their company on Forever Blue. Really appreciate their support. So the, the guests I have today, well, first of all, I've got to start with Adam, because Adam's one of the Forever Blue regulars. So thanks very much as ever, Adam. No problem. How are you coping? Are you still uh, being very careful when you go out? Um, yeah, it's getting a bit more, bit more exciting now. I've been to the pub a few times and it's been, it's been good to go out and see, see the family of my mates a, a little bit. But yeah, still, still a bit apprehensive and uh, cautious with, with the way things are going at the minute. But yeah, we're doing okay. Obviously on the podcast, you can't see Adam, but he does look as if he's got COVID hair. doesn't look as if it's been cut for a no, while. No, it's not been cut. It's not been cut since March. It's, uh, it's looking very, very long. <laughs> it suits you, though. Um, we've also got um, uh, somebody, from, somebody I know very well from Tameside Radio from our time together. And uh, this is George, who presents a YouTube channel of his own, 24-7 Football. So check that out. That's where I first came to know George. And he's a City fan, of course, otherwise he wouldn't be on the, the podcast. So, George, thanks very much. Looking forward to this. Yeah, it's um, obviously being a City fan, watching you in for quite some years. So it feels a bit weird being on the podcast. Um, but, yeah, can't wait to get going and talk about the Blues. Excellent. We've got uh, we've got a stateside reporter today, uh, Carl, who uh, who's been on the the vlog before. Um, who I think you do some stuff like this yourself as well, Carl, don't you? Yeah, I do it. Uh, I'm a new City fan, uh, twelve years in, so I'm one of the new ones. But uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Ian. I find you very uh, hardworking, and it's a it's a great honour for me to be on your channel uh, today again. I know you've always got loads of opinions and everything, and that's what we love. That's what we love. Um, Richard is in Madrid. Now, you're a City fan. I did earlier today on social media ask if there were any fans who lived in Madrid, and uh, there were a few, actually, that contacted me, but uh, you highly recommended Richard. How do you end up being a City fan who lives in Madrid, and what's that like? Well, obviously, I've not lived in Madrid all my life. Um, and originally, I'm from Macclesfield, um, and I've supported City since, well, since I was at school, 77, 78. Um, first game against Coventry at Main Road. Um, Gary Owen, two penalties. Um, and the move to Madrid in 92. So I've been here nearly 30 years now. Um, wow. But in the early days, it was, you know, we watched the City matches when we could, when they were on the, you know, when they were on the telly. Uh, obviously, when we were down in the... Uh, in League Two, or the you know the um, the old Second Division, it wasn't so easy because we weren't on that often. But um, now I watch every game, and um, you know I was at the Bernabeu for the uh, the first leg against Madrid. So hopefully we can finish the job off on Friday night. 
Now, be honest, Richard, you live in Madrid, so we know you're a City fan, you've, you've given us your credentials, but when City are not playing, do you go along and watch Real Madrid? Are you a no, bit of a can't secret? stand them. Sorry, can't stand them. <laughs> I'm going to be brutal here. I just can't. No, I can't stand. No, everything about the club. No. Really? Well, I, Come on, go into a bit more detail then. Tell us, tell us why. Oh, they're just... I don't know if you've seen any of La Liga, the, the, the VAR decisions they've had the last six or seven games. They've, they've been embarrassingly, you know, they've, been, they've had such... I don't think I'm being biased here. I think they've had such a lot of help to win the league. Um, but there's nothing about the club that would make me, as a City fan, you know, there's nothing that attracts me to the club. They're, they're too arrogant for me. You're not the first person to say that. Um, I spoke to another Madrid based City fan who said the same thing uh, not too long ago so that doesn't surprise me when you look around different leagues around Europe uh, if I talk to German fans they will say the same thing about Bayern Munich mm, yeah, um, yeah. You, you might argue that fans talking about English football might say that about United and Liverpool even though we're a City podcast but I think that's fair to say yeah so is, is and Madrid apart from Madrid fans would you say they're the most disliked team in Spain? They're probably the most disliked and the most liked. I mean, they have massive, you know, they have massive um, loads of fan clubs all over the country. You know, even in Catalonia, they've got, a, um, you know, which is obviously, you know, um, big Barca territory. They've, they've got masses of fan clubs over there. Um, but yeah, they are, they are disliked a lot by, you know, especially teams like Valencia, Athletic Bilbao, um, fans of those teams Well obviously I'm going to start with you and, and don't think the other three I'm excluding you in this but because you're sort of a special guest on this one um, and we're so far away from probably further away in our heads than we've ever been because we're all locked in our houses basically Yeah. so we can have no <laughs> feeling well yeah but at least you're in a Madrid house <laughs> so you're being exposed to the Madrid media, papers and all that sort of thing mm. what is the mood out there because I think it's fair to say and I'm sure the other three will agree with me that, that we as City fans and I know you are one as well and certainly I am very optimistic about the second leg I feel very confident that having got a 2-1 advantage from the first um, you know we're obviously um, you know, a certain absence uh, from a, a key player in Mr. Sergio Ramos mm. in the, the second leg. But I see no reason why City can't, to say comfortably, would make me arrogant. And I don't want to sound like that, but I would feel very confident. How does the Madrid media, how do the Madrid people, how, how, what's the feeling over there? Do they similarly think, oh, you know, we're going to win this, we're going to go through? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the fans I've spoken to think they're going to win it. But I mean, you know, that, that's, that's a typical Madrid arrogance, you know, whether they actually deep down believe that, I don't know. Um, but that's what they're saying in public anyway. Um, I think they think because they've won the league, it's taken a little bit of pressure off them. Yeah. Um, because they've got a title already. They've got a trophy in the cabinet. Um, I think the, the feeling is that, you know, they can, uh, win, they can win the match on Friday. Um, but they don't have to, which I think makes them more dangerous, if you understand what I mean. They don't have the pressure that Barcelona, for example, will have because they haven't won the title. And I mean, it's, it's generally it's Madrid or Barcelona here. If, if one of them doesn't win the title, it's a failure. So... Do you I get a sense of, do you get a sense from over there of, 
how they view City. Do they, they view City as a as a real threat and a potential winner of this competition? They, or... certainly, they certainly view of the, view them as a real threat after the first leg. Yes, I, I think they thought they were going to win that game, um, probably you know maybe even by a couple of goals, but um, certainly after the after the first game, they'll be um, they, they'll give us a bit more respect. I think. And what was the reaction like over the? Obviously, we've we've heard people connected to the club very upset about City winning their appeal at Cass. I, I guess there was a lot of negativity in towards City from from Madrid at that time, was there? There was, um, but I mean, you've got to add in the Pep Guardiola factor. I mean, obviously, the Madrid press are very anti-Barcelona, and because Pep is such a huge, you know, Barcelona man. They call, as a result, they hate City even more, you know, because, um, you know, as well as, as Pep being a huge legend at Barcelona, he's a staunch Catalan. And, you know, it, it's the old, it's the old, you know, central Spain against the Catalan separatist thing, you know. So there's all, it's not just football is what I'm saying. It, there's the political angle as well. Now, if I ask the other three of you, um, from my point of view as a City fan, I'm thinking, having won the appeal and City fans generally not being happy, obviously, at UEFA and, and the original punishment that was handed out, that that has added to the motivation for City for this game, particularly against Madrid, because Madrid, along with Bayern, were one of the sort of main, it seems, instigators. But the other side of that is that Madrid might be particularly motivated um, I don't know. Let's start with you, George. You know, what, how, how do you feel City and motivated for this one? I think it's a shame we don't have fans there um, because the booing of the anthem would have been ridiculous um, upon, that, upon that second leg. Um, I, I, think it, it def- I think as much as Pep says it, it won't give the squad a motivation, I think it gives the whole, the whole club motivation from the top to the bottom. Like, just, just to get one over on UEFA. Imagine beating UEFA at Cass and then lifting the the trophy, which they tried to exclude us from. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be so good, and I think it does. I think there is a fire in Pep's belly. I think we've seen that from his press conferences. He was a bit ticked off, um, and and he demanded an apology from a lot of people um, after that Cass decision. And yeah, I think I think there'll be a huge fire in the belly from the squad as well. And I think from the fans, I think we all want to do it. Um, and I think you can see that in the way that they want to give, we all want to give David Silva a big send-off before the game as well. Would, I'm not saying that wouldn't have happened, but I feel like that's on the back of that cast decision. Everyone's riled up and everyone wants to show their support any way that they can. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I think, I think Madrid will be just as just as hyped up coming off the back of a league win. Um, I, I actually thought we'd be in a better position if we played Madrid pre-COVID because they've really picked up the forms, turned around as well. But like I say, Sergio Ramos out the squad gives us a bit of um, leeway. Uh, but it, it's going to be an interesting one, but we'll, we'll be fired up, I, I imagine so. You think this is a grudge match, Adam, from, from Madrid's point of view? Well, from City's point of view as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I... The, the UEFA thing, I think, is massive. And Real Madrid are like the ultimate UEFA club. They're like the darlings of European football, aren't they? You know, they've won, it, they've won the competition so many times. Everyone loves them. They've got a seat at the table. They are, they are, they're the big, they are the biggest, probably the biggest club in the world. So 
to knock them out would be absolutely huge uh, for the club. It, it's almost like a it's symbolism, isn't it? You know, we, we knock them out of, the, out of the ballpark in the court and we could do it on the pitch as well. Uh, so I think to go through Real Madrid on the way to winning this trophy would be absolutely massive. And yeah, it's just another nail in the, in the UEFA coffin as we head towards the trophy, I think, if we were to knock them out. I think it'd be massive. And I do think the motivation is there because of that as well. I think Pep will really be, be nailing down the us against them mentality. You know, you talk, Alex Ferguson used to do it so much at Man United. Even though they, they had all the best players and they were the better team, he always managed to make it seem like it was them against the world and everyone hated them, the media hated them. And everyone was against Manchester United and that forced them together towards titles. And I think, I think we've got that now. I think we can really join behind that mentality and I think Pep will be using it in the dressing room. I think he should do because I think it's a great driving force. We all, we all love to prove people wrong. We all love to get back at people who, who spite us and I think that, that, could be, that could be a major factor in us winning this really, the mentality. I always look forward to reading Carl's comments um, on social media. And I don't think you'll be holding back, Carl. Come on, tell us what your feeling is about, about this game, about the, the grudge nature of it and who's going to win it. I think that players need no more motivation than beating Real Madrid. I think that they are fired up for this game like, like, like never before. I mean, I think the, 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 the first leg was at Madrid was after the first UEFA decision, correct? And to go to, to, to Madrid, to go to the Bernabeu and literally play them off the park, should have been 3-1. These guys are not going to hold back when they come back on Friday. I think we're going to go for it. I think we're going to make a statement. We're going to try to blow them out of the water. I hope they do. I hope Pep picks the right team. I hope he picks the right team. Because on any given day, if we're up for it, if we're up for it, Ian, we can do the business. I think well, we will get on to what the right team is. But and you, you make a great case of City being motivated. But if we look at it from the other point of view, which is what we tried to do with Richard at the beginning, Madrid are going to... Aren't they going to be fired up? Are they not going to be saying, come on, you know, that, that City... That, that, obviously, we know that this isn't the case, but they'll be saying behind the scenes, they've, they've got away with something here and come well, on, we need to give them a bloody nose and all that. In the way, it's a City are 2-1 up. Now, you know, if we were 2-1 down, it, it, I would have said it's a much harder, it's a much harder task against them. We're 2-1 up, two away goals, which means that they have to score at least two, and we don't even score one in order to win the game. Now, when City are up a goal, we know what happens in a game. So, uh, you know, Peck picks the right team, plays like they normally, and he said this, we're just going to play our game and be ourselves. If they're themselves, it will be hard for Madrid. And I'm hoping that they are themselves, they can play the right people in the right positions, no overthinking, no funny games like, you know, somebody on the right side who shouldn't be there or on the left side. Play the guys where they're supposed to be and let them just express themselves. If they do that, we should win the game. Which makes me ask the next question, which I was perhaps going to save a little bit, but it seems the right time to do it. The obvious question, it was, we're all going to say, Americ Laporte on the left-hand side of centre-back. The big question, and I've seen it debated on social media is who plays alongside him. Is it young Eric Garcia? Is it Fernandinho? Is it Rodri? Is it Otamendi? Is it Stones? Is it Carl Walker moves into a central position? There are different options. What's the option? You know, whoever wants to go first, just you debate it among yourselves and I'll give you my, my opinion at the end of it. Mm, I, 
I would say, oh, it's, it's such a tough one. I'd, I'd love to play Garcia, but I, he's not got that experience. I don't know if he's got the experience to play in such a game, a game that big. And, I mean, it's not Otamendi. I don't trust him that much, but he's, he's a centre-half. He's naturally a centre-half. As, as you were saying, Carl, pick a player who plays in that position. Fernandinho doesn't play at centre-half. He's not a centre-half. So I, I would have to say, I'd say Otamendi, because he's got experience in these big games. He's played. I assume he'll have played in the Champions League semi-final against Real Madrid last time. Um, so he's played in those big games. He's played in lots of big games. I, I know he's let himself down a lot of times um, and he's had much better years for us. But I think he's got to be the one that goes next to next Laporte for me. I'd agree yeah, with you. Yeah. I think... Um, Richard, you've also got the insight of looking at it from the Madrid perspective. Who do you think they'd fear playing against if you want to turn it around that way as well? Okay, probably Laporte more than anybody, if you're looking at uh, one of the two central defenders. Um, but I'd rather, have, I'd rather have Otamendi alongside him. Um, as Carl was saying, you know, play the players in their positions. I love Fernandinho, but he's not a centre-back. Yeah, let's have him in central midfield. Um, no, Carl Walker, no, he's a right back. Let's have him, in, let's have him at right back. And I'm sorry, after the League Cup final and other games, I don't really trust John Stones. Rodri as a possibility or not? No. You're not really. No. Yeah. It's, it's either Otamendi or Garcia for me. Go on, let's go to George. What, go on, what do you think? Was two yeah, votes for Otamendi? I'd agree with, with Adam in the fact that I'd like to see Eric Garcia play. I really would. And I think being a young Catalan man himself, it probably gives him a bit of motivation in the game as well, um, coming through the Barcelona Academy. And I think that could really be one of the games. We always say that we want to see youth start in the games and we want these centre-backs to come through. Eventually, he's going to have to start one of these games if uh, further down the, his career. Why not now? I think um, it could be one of the standout games in his development. Um, but I bet my house that Guardiola goes with Otamendi. I think he went with him at the Bernabeu. Otamendi's had some really good Champions League games for us. I think PSG in the quarterfinals a few years ago, he was unbelievable against Ibrahimovic, as was Mangala, but we'll, we'll see, speak a bit less about Mangala. Um, so I bet my house that he goes Otamendi because for some reason he does like to go Otamendi in the big, big games, especially European games because Otamendi came through at Valencia as well. Obviously, he knows how to play in La Liga, but I'd like to see him play Eric Garcia, but I think it's a toss-up between those two. I don't think John Stone's got it in him. Can I just clarify something? Do you actually own your own house, George? I don't own my own house, no. Even. So how can you bet your own house on it then? <laughs> well, I, was, I bet my mum's house on it. It's just, I've got, I've got nothing to own, to be fair. I bet, I bet my phone on it then. I bet my phone on it. Do you own your own house, Carl? Can you bet your own house on it? Not on, not on stones. <laughs> or, or, so, so for me, it's so we know he's not going to play uh, three five two because because we're going to have um, that young Brazilian kid from Real Madrid play probably play the left side. So Walker has a match of the pace, um, or, or or Hazard play on the left side. So Walker has a match of the pace, and Walker is able to do that. We know we're going to be weak on the left side with, with potentially Cancelo. I think the centre back is probably going to be Laporte, and either it's going to be Garcia because he tried him out for the past couple of games. Or Otamendi. Otamendi hasn't played first team, start first team for the past couple of games. It's been Garcia, Garcia, Garcia. 
I worry about Garcia's experience, but if I, were to pick, if I were the betting man, I would pick, I would pick Laporte and, and Garcia. I think he's going to go with that. I think but, he would. But who would you go for? I mean, you're trying to second-guess him, aren't you? Who would you go for? See, for, for me, Laporte and probably Otamendi, frankly. I, I think that's probably what I would do. Um, yeah. Well, I've got to say that I, I agree. Um, we've, we seem to have all gone for the same answer, perhaps surprisingly, because we've not conferred beforehand. And I think a lot of people listening to this podcast will not go for that. I think they'll go for um, possibly Fernandinho, some of them, although I'm, I'm a huge Fernandinho fan. Uh, Fernandinho would be in my team, no doubt. He'd be the one in front of the, the back four. Um, but I think a lot of people will go for Garcia. And I think you're right, Carl. I think if I was predicting what Pep is going to pick, if I was putting money on it, I wouldn't put my house on it, George, but I'd, I'd, I'd probably go for Eric Garcia as the one he'll go for based on what we've seen in the last two or three games. And if he does that, that is a very brave position to go to. And I suppose two and up from the first leg um, and being in a position where you think, well, we're probably going to have enough to get another goal or two. And so therefore, Madrid, who are not scoring a lot of goals, you have to get an awful lot of goals. This is the game to almost not, not give him his debut because obviously he's played, but to, to give him that confidence that in the quarterfinal against Juventus or Leon, Eric yeah. Garcia can properly be there on merit, having proven what he did against Madrid. So that's, that's what's in my mind. You go on, Carl. Yeah, it, I think it all depends also on what we have in the midfield. Um, I have my own position. I think, I think you should go for a lot of energy in the midfield, a lot of energy to recover the ball in possession, out of possession. That's going to determine who puts it at the back line because if we can stuffle them, control midfield with energy and pace and, and, uh, and verb, then that puts less pressure on maybe Garcia and, and Laporte. But it all depends on what happens in the midfield. Um, there has to be balance. So the last it, two games have been comfortable victories for City. And Cancelo's played at left back and he's got a lot of praise from City fans. Has that been enough to convince you that it's him rather than Mendy or Zinchenko? Well, obviously Mendy for this one is suspended, but, but Zinchenko at, at left back, is it absolutely certain in your minds now that it's Cancelo? It, it might be quite reactionary of me to say it, and it probably goes against what we were talking about before about players playing in their natural positions and things, but I I would play Cancelo there. I, I just from what I've seen in those two games, he looks he looks great. He, he looks really really good. I mean, he was putting in the he knows how to kick the ball with the outside of his foot because he's not used to being on that side and stuff, and he's whipping it in a different way. He's adapted his game well to play in that position, and. I know we didn't face a team with our teams with the attacking prowess that Real Madrid have, but I just feel like the defensive side of his game is there anyway. You know, it's, I know it's the opposite side, but it's there, uh, and we've seen what he's capable of doing going forward on that side as well. So, I I would play him because I've just got no trust in Mendy defensively. So I've, I've got less trust in playing Mendy there than I would have playing Cancelo there out of position, having only played two games in that position this season, which shows exactly what I think of Mendy. And then uh, for Zinchenko, I've, I've got no trust in him either at all. I just don't think he's good enough. He's not good enough for Manchester City anymore. Uh, well, certainly in the, for the big games, he could be a squad player. But for big games like this, we shouldn't be playing Zinchenko in a game like this. Uh, he's certainly not good enough. So, yeah, he, he has done enough for me. And although it's been a, 
it's been two two games against low quality opposition. Um, I think he's I think he deserved it. Any arguments from the the other three of you? No, I'd, I'd agree with that massively. Um, I think if it was still between Cancelo and Mendy at left back, I'd still go Mendy just because he's a natural left back, and I think. He does get a bad rap, um, but if you go back to his Monaco days, he was absolutely world class. And anyone in the in the right mind would have signed Mendy. He's just been a shame with injuries that have ravaged him. But who who can predict that? Uh, but when you go, when, Mendy's obviously um, suspended. So if you go between Cancelo or Zinchenko, you've got to go Cancelo. Zinchenko, naturally a midfielder and a good talent at that. But defensively, when he's coming up either against Hazard. Or Vinicius Junior, you've got to go with Cancelo for his defensive capabilities for me. Carl and Richard both agreeing with that, Cancelo. Yeah, what? I've been really impressed with him the last couple of games. Um, uh, as Adam was saying, okay, they've not been the, the 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 most difficult of opponents, but you know, you can't you know you can't you know knock the lad. He's he's done really well after a difficult start. Yeah, I agree. I agree with the gentleman. It has to be cancelled. We don't have a choice, frankly. <laughs> yeah, unless, I unless, forgot Mendy was suspended. <laughs> yeah, unless he changes to a 3-5-2, then he changes everything. Then he can play back three, and then uh, Cancelo can play higher up. But I think it's going with a back four, and it's going to be Cancelo. Well, you think if he's going to do that, Carl, and I agree that is an option, he's more likely to do that in the, after he's got past Madrid when you've, you know, you don't need to, to risk something when you're 2-1 up from the first leg. That's, that's the way I'm thinking. You might disagree. I think, he's, I, I think he's going to play Cancelo at left back and I think he's going to have protection, what I mean protection, because Cancelo is right footed and he's playing left back, so it's unnatural for him, even though he's been good. I think he's going to try to plug the left side with the Foden as a front, left of the front three, or Bernardo in the middle of, of the front three to give him that balance because they're both left-footed. Left I think he's going to try to do that. Might he play two holders, you know, because obviously he's got three, potentially, I hope, that I are hope playing in that position. You, I you hope, hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't. But, so, I if you were going, would you go with one? I mean, obviously, you've got Fernandinho, you've got Rodri, and he has played Gundogan several times in that type of a role. So I'd describe him as the third holding midfielder, the way Pep plays him. So what do you do with that? I think we just need energy in that midfield. I think we need to have Bernardo, Kevin, Rodri, um, Foden rotating that midfield. We need energy, we need pace, we need aggression. We don't need, in my opinion, you know, a Gundogan, who's a great player, but oftentimes his pace catches up with him, or David Silva, who's maybe not as energetic. In my opinion, Energy, energy, energy. Foden, Bernardo, Kevin De Bruyne, Rodri. Rotation in that midfield all the way through is the energy that we need to overcome this game. Which is what Pep does, doesn't he? He doesn't pick a player to stay in one place. But in the midst of that answer, you've, got, you've still gone for Rodri. Um, I know you're talking about it being a foursome, but you've, you've picked Rodri really, haven't you? The reason I pick Rodri over Fernandinho is because of the last two games Fernandinho playing defensive midfield. He's been a little off the pace, uh, to be fair. I think Rodri has done well. Um, and that's, uh, that's why I picked him over Fernandinho in that, in that holding midfield. And he played again, he played in the first leg. And he did, he, did, he did okay, in my opinion. So we'll see. If you were second guessing, and you did it before, um, I think he'll go for Rodri. Um, would I, any of the three of you um, go for a different option? I'm a big Fernandinho uh, fan. I'd probably go for Dinho. I certainly would if he was up to tempo, because I'm hearing what Carl's saying. If he was yeah, up to yeah. tempo and he was in play in the last two or three games, absolutely I'd go for Fernandinho. He would be my choice. But given that 
he hasn't really played more than bit parts just recently. Um, and, you know, we're now getting to this, this big run of Champions League games. I get the feeling that Pep's made his mind up and it's going to be Rodri. And then, then if we accept that, you then move into this area more offensively. I, although I get Carl's point about it being a, a force and work, work together. So the question then is, and again, if I was second guessing, um, I, I'm guessing he won't trust Foden in a big game like this just yet. Um, does he pick David Silva? Um, obviously, there's a. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. Uh, there's going to be a guard of honour from the fans for David Silva, but he might not even pick him. Uh, you've got Bernardo, you've got Riyad Mahrez, you've got Raheem Sterling, you've got Jesus. You know, you've got to fit all these players in. KDB, obviously, he's going to get a start. So there's a lot of players to squash in there. Gundogan could still potentially come into that as a sort of. You know, as a as a man in the middle who's moving it around, and a lot of City fans are not massive fans of Gundogan, but Pep clearly trusts him because he picks him a lot. So, you know, you can you can go through individually if you want, but the, the starting point of this this question is: Do you think he'll pick Foden in this one? No, not for me. I don't, I don't think he'll pick Foden. Um, I, I just don't think he'll he'll trust him enough. Um, but I, I do think he will play Gundo, like, like you said, Ian. I think um, Pep trusts him so much. and Pep is the ultimate fantasy team killer, isn't he, throughout the season. He will rotate that midfield. He'll rotate his whole squad. And um, I think he will play Gundo. I think he'll play KDB, Kevin De Bruyne. They'll just be box to box. But I, if it was me, I'd play Bernardo Silva and KDB in that midfield, like um, Carl said, just for that energy. But I don't think he'll play Foden, no. Adam's nodding. I, I completely agree with that. I, I'd be playing Bernardo Silva in the centre midfield straight away. Like he, if Foden isn't, when, when David Silva goes, I see Foden and Bernardo Silva really sharing that time that David mm. Silva's had in the middle and taking over that role for me. I think the energy that we've seen, like, like Carl was talking about, the energy that Bernardo Silva gives us in that midfield is second to none. We saw the, the massive games last season. Um, where we put him in the middle and he ran further than anyone's ever ran. He's like covering 100 miles or whatever. And it just, he looked absolutely, it was brilliant. And you could see him, he was, he was all over him like a rash. And that's exactly what we need against Madrid. We need to be on to him, constantly on to him, dogged. And that's what Bernardo brings us. So I would love to play uh, Bernardo, uh, KDB and Rodri, because I do think Fernandinho's off the pace. Fernandinho of last season I would have played, and Fernandinho of the how many seasons before I would have played, but not this year. Um, yeah, so I, I wish, I hope I hope he'd play Bernardo, but I, I can see him playing Gundogan. I wouldn't be adverse to him playing Gundogan. I understand why he would do. He's a solid player. He gets the job done. He's well-drilled. Um, and in those big games... He's shown up, I think, uh, from what, what I can think of. And I'm trying to think uh, back, back to some games where I've seen Gundogan play in the middle uh, in big games like this. Now, I always finish the game and I'm like, well, Gundogan's done a good job today. He's done a good job. Because he doesn't do anything that stands out massively, but gets the job done. He, he's a, he, he does everything. Um, so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be against him playing, but I would love to see Bernardo in there just to give us that extra energy. Where does Mares fit into this? Because I definitely get the feeling that Pepe's going to start the game with Riyad Mahrez. Um, Richard, from a, I know you're not a Madrid expert and I'm not trying to paint you as if you are, but you're in Madrid. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the question anyway. Who, who does Madrid, do you think, fear the most? I mean, you know, there's been a big um, campaign among the other three there about pace and, and, and mm. energy. 
Uh, Mares has great, great skills. His, his left foot's like a wand. He can score free kicks. He can, he can create something. But I wouldn't describe him as an energetic player. So he offers something different. Um, yeah. which, which do you think Madrid would fear the most? Which player? Or, or, I mean, well, I mean, you, I'm sure they'd, they'd fear Sterling and De Bruyne, you know. So they'd, uh, fear, they'd fear, you think they'd fear them two more than Mares. So on that basis... I think so, yeah. Would you pick Mares? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, there's so many players, there's so many options we've got. Um, I'd love to see, I agree with Adam again, I'd love to see Bernardo Silva start. I don't know whether he will, but I'd love to see him start because he's just great. He's another player that I would, I would, he'd be on my, you know, I'd pick him every game, practically. I think he's brilliant. Um, Maris, I don't know, but Go on, George, you pick up the bat on then. What do you think of Maris starting? I, I, do you know what? I really like Maris. Really do like Maris, especially since the restart. His first touch is class, um, and he's he's getting better. He's it's it's taking him a bit to settle into City, hasn't it? And I think we see that with a few of the new signings that we've brought in. But Mares is is an unbelievable footballer, and his stats back it up as well with assists. But it's actually a great point that you just mentioned there before in terms of. Energy. I know. I did say I'd start Bernardo in the in the centre, but I can really see him starting Bernardo on the right hand side now. Mm. Just thinking about it, because of his energy, he's going to want a ridiculous press on that Real Madrid team, and that's what Jesus does fantastically. His energy and his pressing style is brilliant. Sterling does it. KDB does it. Mares doesn't really work with the press, so I think he could go Bernardo Silva on the right wing. But um, Mares, just going off, um, I'm fanboying a little bit, but he, I, I love Mares. I think he's, I think he's brilliant. But now I'm thinking, about it, I think he will go Gundo and Bernardo Silva on the right. Yeah, I think he will pick Mares. I'm absolutely convinced. What do you think, Carl? It, it depends on who he thinks is going to play left back for Madrid. So if it's Ferland Mendy, I, I, I back Mares to, to 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 have a good game against Ferland Mendy. Uh, if it's Marcelo. Um, then, you know, Marcelo's slower, but he's more experienced. And so, I mean, he's probably going to pick Mahrez. Uh For me, I would play Sterling on the right. Because I think Sterling on the right is the most dynamic right winger probably in England, if you ask me. And maybe in Europe. But he plays him on the left because he has to invert. Um, he's probably going to pick Mahrez on the right, but I would pick Sterling on the right. And Foden on the left. I'm with you on that, Carl, 100%. But all of us seem to be suggesting that David Silva's not going to start, um, which leads me into the, the the question about this parade. Now, obviously, two of you um, are in other countries. You're not even going to be here. But the plan is, if you don't know this, uh, that the 1894 group, which are the uh, vociferous city supporters behind the goal, who the ones with the flags, the mosaics, and, and all the rest of it, um, great group of, of lads who... I, for one, am right behind everything that it can do. And I know that, Adam, you're either in the middle of that or very close to it. I don't know where, where you go when you go to games, George, but you'll know who I'm talking about behind that goal in the south stand. Um, they're asking people to go and line the route from the CFA to the stadium with social distancing and hoping for about 1,500 fans to come along. Now, I've got to be honest, I know about it, and I've yet to decide whether I'm going to go down for my vlog that I do on YouTube um, and film it because I'm caught, I really am caught in two minds because the population of, of, of everywhere at the moment um, is half the population are saying 
why are we not just getting back to normal now and this will this this thing will all go away this terrible virus and the other half are frightened to death of going outside and if anybody walks within two meters of them they're scared i respect both points of view so this is not a political point that i'm making my point being that uh, if 1500 city fans do gather at the stadium our city going as a club and those fans are going to get a lot of criticism if i turn up and film it Am I then accused of either encouraging it or being part of it? And I really don't know. So this is this is a good one. Carl's um, going to go first uh, on this. What, what? I'll tell you what. If if fifteen hundred City fans turn up at the stadium, the media is going to go ballistic on City for gathering of fans at the stadium. They're going to go ballistic. Now, if fifteen hundred gather for another club on Anfield or Merseyside, they will probably celebrate and clap for them. But because it's City. Because of the recent history, the cast decision, winning the titles, they are going to go ballistic. We should not give them any food for any cannon fodder. Follow the rules, do what we have to do. We'll get another chance with David Silva. He'll be back for a testimonial, maybe next year. But just, you know, don't give them more fodder. My opinion, don't give them so more If you were speaking to the, the 1894 group, and I'll bet there'll be one or two people in the 1894 group, probably Dante, who's one of the senior members, will be listening to this podcast. What's your message then, Carl? And then I'll ask the others as well what about uh, this thing on Friday. I will tell you what, the poster that they had a couple of months ago about the UEFA was probably more impactful than, than standing out doing, you know, with 1,500 people on, on, on the sideline or on the stadium on Friday. I would just say, just follow the rules. Don't create more media hatred for the club at this point in time. Maybe 1,500 is too much. Maybe it's 100. Maybe it's 50. But 1,500 is quite a lot to have them lined up, even with masks, social distance, um, for, for the clap David Silva. He's going to be back. He'll be back for a testimonial. We'll have an opportunity then. I will probably fly into Manchester and give him a, a send-off as well when we're, when we're able to. So well, You know that, that my, in this role, I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'm going to say, you know, David Silva is, is possibly the greatest player that's ever played for City. And these fans have a passion and they want to go along and they, and they, will, they will be determined that the vast majority of them will keep that space, will wear the mask, won't do anything wrong. And the last thing they'd want to do is bring any negativity towards the club. So surely they're entitled right. to do that. If they're, if they're not worried about what the media says, fine, go ahead. But if they're worried about the media perception about City, then you know it's going to be negative either which way. The intentions may be good, but the media perception may be negative. Now, if they don't care about that, go ahead and do what you need to do and protect yourself and social distance. But if they care, if they care about what's the media going to say, how's it going to be perceived, what's going on, then we know what the outcome is going to be. It's going to be negative. And if you were here on Friday, would you go down? I'd wear a mask and go down, yes. You, so you would go down? Oh, yeah. I would, I, would, I would stick two up to the media. Excuse me. I would. Wear a mask. <laughs> I would 100%. Right, go on, Adam. What do you think? I'm caught in two minds about it. I, I don't know. I'd, lo I'd love... I won't, I won't be going. Because um, I, I don't think everyone's going to be able to keep the distance. I think if, if everyone was able to keep the distance, um, then, yes, you know... I, I, you know, might might consider going, but I just, I can't imagine that being the case. I think everyone's entitled to do their own thing if they want. If they want to do that, then that's great. I personally don't. I'll wait for the testimonial to say my goodbye to to David uh, in the stadium. Um, I think it's a, it's a cool idea. Um, it would have been absolutely brilliant if it, outside of COVID times to be doing this, but then again, we wouldn't need to. So, 
It's a strange one. I'm a bit worried that a lot of the fan base will look really hypocritical because I've come out and gone against the Liverpool fans that were gathered outside of Anfield. And it's really annoyed me that lots of big profiles on Twitter and media outlets have been saying oh, how amazing these scenes are at the fans out, but they haven't spoke about how careless it was to not be social distancing in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I think the timing of it isn't great as well, because obviously Greater Manchester is now on a local lockdown. Um, we've seen the, the infection uh, numbers in Oldham, for example, where there's a lot of blues um, going from like, what, nine in 100,000 to 40 odd in 100,000. So it's that, that big increase that's meant that the, the lockdowns needed to be there. So it's not like we're completely out of it. If we're completely out of it, then it would make it easier because you could justify it by saying, listen, we're not in the middle of the pandemic or lockdown anymore. Whereas when Liverpool did it and they won the title, it, it seemed a lot more dangerous than perhaps it does now. Um, it still does feel less dangerous now, but it. But I think the, the local lockdown things made it, uh, made it a bit tougher. Um, so I'm, I'm on the fence on it because I'd like to see it. But then again, I'd be a huge hypocrite because I laid into Liverpool thick and I think, and, and a lot of City fans did on Twitter. You uh, answered that, Adam, dead honestly as a City fan, which is what I'd expect you to do. I'm now going to ask you a question which you may deem to be a little unfair, but you work in the media, you're starting to have a media career. So if your editor said to you, um, I want you to cover this, this event on Friday, um, how do you think your editor would want to pitch it and how do you think you would pitch it as a as a job not as a fan as a job do you think you would it would it would lend itself to negativity uh yeah i, I think i'd say i'd say yes but then i've looked at the way liverpool celebrations were reported and apart from obviously leaving it a state the next day and obviously the fireworks the the, the damage that they did there wasn't much of a negative portrayal about the gathering of people, I felt like I was I was talking about then about people not really people pra praising the scenes more than anything. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm thinking about more unprecedented, you know, how how were, how were Liverpool treated? But then how would we be treated the same? I don't know. I'm not sort of a lad who thinks that there's a big media agenda against Manchester City. There are there are a journalists with an agenda against Manchester City, and they 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 will be happy to lay into it. But I don't think in general to say the media as a whole. Um, would be would be against it. I, as every, as a City fan, would be more likely to report it in a positive light. But then again, my mate is Liverpool fan who would work for someone, then they probably would lay into us. So yeah, I think it's a case by on a case by case basis. And to separate yourself as a fan um, uh, and as a reporter, it's difficult because they do come hand in hand, and your your opinions do impact your writing. They do all the time. Um, so yeah, as a as a if you were a news reporter covering that, you would you would have to acknowledge both sides of it. Yeah, brilliant scenes, but also look at the wider context. We're in a global pandemic and a local lockdown in Greater Manchester. It certainly makes me realise how lucky I am not to be a um, 
a political reporter because you know you're talking about having agendas or uh, you know everybody's got a political view uh, imagine how difficult it must be because no matter what you say or do everybody will see the angle that they want to see and, and criticize you go on um, what about you george i mean are you going to go down on friday would you consider going down what would your view be when you see it on the news do you expect it to be you know look at all them great city fans being down there on you think it's going to be you know, we're in a lockdown and they shouldn't have been there. How do you think it'll be reported and what do you think are the rights and wrongs of it? Yeah, I think I would be inclined to go. Um, but obviously the announcement two days ago, we're in a local lockdown. Um, and it just seems, I can't really justify it to myself that I can't go and see certain family members, but then I'm going to be going down and probably won't be adhering to social distancing rules. I'd, I'd hope that everyone would, but they're probably not. How can I justify that to myself? Um, when I blast, like, like Adam said, blast certain people for not following things and then go and do the same thing myself. So I think before that announcement, I would have gone, but I don't think I'll go now. And I think what you said before is interesting because I would have loved to have gone down as well with my camera, obviously for 24 seven football and, vlogged it and spoke to people about David Silver and the impact that he's had and it would have been really special for me to do that as well but obviously I, I'm not I'm not going to go and portray something like you said when people can take it the wrong way and say that we're actually encouraging it as well so it's probably best to just stay away um, but I, th I think it's a fantastic idea to have that type of send-off for David Silver and it'd be lovely to do it um, but in this certain time that we're in you've just got to ask yourself and only everyone can ask themselves a question before they go can you justify it is it necessary if it is necessary for you fantastic go and enjoy it give David Silver a send off and um, just just make sure you follow the rules if, if you want to and and that's the way I'd look at it um, but in, in terms of the media yeah it as, as much as we want to think that there's not a bias against anything the, the one bias that there is in the media industry is getting views and generating revenue in the way that um, mainly the news companies do that is sensationalism and creating a story out of nothing. So if they can clickbait an article about Manchester City fans and not adhering to social distancing after a local lockdown has been implemented, it's going to get tons of views. Then if they said, oh, that, Manchester City fans give David Silver a nice send off before the game. So that's the way I think it would be reported. And, it's unfortunate that that's the way that the industry is, but it just seems to be going that way, that it is a clickbait culture that sensationalises things and tries to um, err on the side of whoever can get most offended. I don't know how strict the lockdown is at the moment in Madrid, um, Richard, but um, do you, how would you feel about City fans doing that? Um, to be honest with you, I'd be pretty uncomfortable about it. Um, one one thing um, that, that strikes me is even if you had you've got fifteen hundred people going down there uh, in theory, even if you have let's say one thousand four hundred wearing face masks, uh, social distancing, if the media can get a photo of a, a group of five or six or ten all together, not social distancing, not wearing face masks, that's the image they will use. Yeah, not the ones who are behaving themselves because. You know, that doesn't sell. Uh, it's like George was saying, it's sensationalism. That sells newspapers. You know, that's what, what people want to read. It's clickbait. So, and I think it would be a real shame for David Silver if, if it got, you know, if it got all this negative press, which it, I think it will do, sadly. 
because I wasn't personally aware of the uh, the local lockdown that you, you you're under now in in, in the northwest. But um, yeah, it's 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 the timing isn't great, is it? It's um, you know in other circumstances, I think it's a fantastic idea, but not at the moment. I wouldn't go down if I was in in Manchester. Put it that way. One thing I would add is we're, we're talking about how we would be perceived in the media and things like that. Why should we care how we're perceived, how, how, how we're portrayed by the media? I think as a fan base, we've been, we've been dragged through the mud a few times. Um, there's clearly people that don't like us. There's certain journalists that write stuff about us that, that we don't like. And I think a lot of fans now are just like, listen, this lad can write all he wants as long as we're winning and we're enjoying ourselves. Um, I don't care what this lad writes. And I think maybe we should take, take that attitude. Um, uh, why, why does it matter if we're portrayed badly? Oh, I, you know, oh dear, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be too worried about an article that goes out, start, oh, um, City fans are doing this, City fans are doing that. I, I'm, I'm, I am worried about the fact that um, of, of the impact that that might have if loads of people were to get together and it was for, to cause something, then I'd be worried about that. But I'm more worried about that than media portrayal. Mm. I'm, I'm worried about people's safety more than the media portrayal. Uh, I'm not really fussed by that at all. Um, but yeah, to conclude it for, from my point of view, obviously I support, uh, I, I really um, enjoy being part of 1894. I'm a member myself. Um, I'm I'm in the in the South Stand, and I really really like what they do and stuff, and and I support it. But I, I personally won't be going down. It's an individual choice, so I'm I'm happy. I'm happy if they want to do it. They want to do it. That's that's fair enough. But I personally just don't think it'd be worth it for me. Well, I'm not certain yet what I'm going to do. Um, go on, Carl. You wanted to say. Well, I just wanted to ask if the 1894, the guys who were responsible for um, the game against Shaka, the boat uh, on the on the ocean that was, I was there. I was at the stadium that day. Uh, again, one of my trips to, to the Etihad, I tried to do a couple a year. Uh, that was just mind-blowing, guys. That was just, I have a picture of it that I keep on my, my phone. I show my kids. I'm about to print it out. That was just absolutely beautiful. Uh, oh, oh, they're a great group who do great oh, work. And I mean, it's an interesting debate to have. And, and genuinely, I still don't know what I'm going to do when it comes to the day. It's something I'm going to have to continue to think about because I live in Oldham. So uh, that's obviously one of the hot spots. Greater Manchester is, as you say, in lockdown. Um, I don't think there's anything to say I can't go, but it does put me in a little bit of a position where I'm um, a little bit anxious of, of, it might be that if I find out somebody's going to go anyway, I get them to do some filming for me, or you know, maybe there's another way around it. I don't know, but anyway, that's for another day. So final question for this podcast, um, which is something that we might expand on in a future podcast hasn't happened yet 100% and it's not going to affect Champions League anyway but uh, Nathan Ake uh, from Bournemouth seems to be pretty much a done deal um, as does Ferran Torres uh, the winger from Valencia um, neither have gone through yet as I'm speaking now but it's certain, seems certain to me that they will do um, so just a, a, a quick answer really as to whether you think those are the right players I've heard people saying that um, a left-sided central defender is not what we need. Last summer, City signed two right-backs. I know Cancelo might play at left-back against Madrid, but ostensibly he is a right-back. And people wondered why we'd signed a lot of, spent a lot of money on a second right-back when Kyle Walker was already there. And now we're signing, are we, a second left-sided 
centre back or does that not matter? Does it, you know, and, and could it be a three? I mean, you know, you may be canvassing for a three-five-two, Cal, so maybe it fits into that. Yeah. So, so this argument about Ake left-sided. So I went back and looked at a lot of these games in the Premier League. The last game uh, I, I watched yesterday was against Tottenham. Uh, was Bournemouth versus Tottenham was a nil-nil. And he played the right side of the centre-back. So right centre-back. He can play multiple positions. He plays DM, left centre-back, right centre-back, left-back. He is the modern-day football player. And I think he will adapt. Nobody's, I mean, if you have two right-footed centre-backs playing left and right, nobody complains about that. Why can't you have two left-footed centre-backs playing left and right? So, jury's out. Let's see what, ha- what Pep does with this kid. I- I'm really excited about him. That George and Adam. Yeah, I'd say um, Ake is someone that I think would benefit the squad greatly. I think to get him in for 40, 40 million, 41 million um, because uh, of his relegation clause is, is a great little bit of business. Um, especially in today's market and the fact that he's left-footed, I don't think he's bringing him in just to be a centre-back. I think we know where our problems are, especially on that left-back role and he can play left-back seamlessly. So I think it's more of a utility player for that whole back line. And, and he's shown that he can play and he's very calm under pressure. And he's only going to benefit the squad. I don't think there's too much risk in going getting Nathan Ake. I really don't. Um, I think if you've got the option to get him at a price like that and he can fill in three roles out of that back four, yeah, superb piece of business for us. Yeah, I mean, I fully expect us to buy another centre-back as well this summer. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about Ake because, like you say, he can cover all those positions and he's, and he's consistent. And that, that, to me, you don't have to be the most standout player. If you're consistent, you don't make mistakes. There was, there was a stat to say that he, um, he hadn't made an error that led to a goal in over 100 games which is unbelievable. When you think about our other centre-halves, <laughs> and far from that, you know, John Stones, Nicholas Otamendi, those sort of errors that they've been making have cost us points this season. And you can't, we don't trust them. We don't, we don't trust them that much that we tried to play Rodri and Fernandinho there at the, start, at, at the start of the season, which seems like five years ago now. But um, yeah, they, we clearly don't trust our centre-halves and he's a trustworthy centre-half. And his young lad, he's homegrown, which worked for the, uh, the, uh, the homegrown quota nice and easy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really, really, really excited about him, actually. And when I've seen him play, he's looked good. And we saw that uh, Solskjaer um, was chatting him up on the pitch. <laughs> it seemed like he was uh, the other week. So it's nice to get one over on, uh, on them as well. I've seen Ferran Torres' um, showreel on YouTube. I'm sure a lot of people have probably had a look at that. And, uh, and he's left-footed um, and he's, he's, he's sort of in the same age bracket as... Um, that's Phil Foden, actually. Um, and obviously, we've seen Sane move off this summer. Uh, there are rumours, even though I don't give them much credibility, but there still are rumours that um, Raheem Sterling might be a target for one of the, the big superpowers like Real Madrid. Whether that's true or not, certainly let's stick with what we know, which is Sane's gone. And uh, Foden is the, the man who seems to be pushing uh, to, for a regular start. And when he does start, even though people have talked about him potentially replacing David Silva and slotting into that role, feels to me as if he more naturally gravitates towards the left-hand side, which is possibly where Torres would go. So what, what, what's your thinking there? Is Torres, you know, the long game, is that, is that a player who's going to flit in and out and, and play against perhaps weaker teams and not be a serious threat? Or 
perhaps Richard could start with this one because you may have seen him play. I've seen him a lot. I've seen him a lot because I'm actually a Valencia fan uh, here in Spain. I, I said earlier I couldn't support Real Madrid. Um, I've seen him play a lot. I'm really impressed with him. Oh, he's a super player. I think he's uh, obviously. I mean. He's not going to play every game because nobody does at City, especially in, in, in those positions. Pep will rotate. He always does. But no, he's, he's one. I would say he's one for now, not one for the future. Do you think he's a left winger? I mean, is that where he's been playing he for can, Valencia? He can, but he can play on both, both sides. He, he plays on the left wing or the right wing. And, okay. and he's, he's, he's really come on last, last year, the, the, last, the last season, which... Um, has gone on for 12 months or so, but he's been really, really uh, excellent in a pretty mediocre Valencia side this season. So he's a great signing, no question about that. And Pep, will make, him be- and Pep will make him better. George? Yeah, I think, um, I think he summed it up perfectly, to be honest. And just to think 20 million for, for a player of that calibre, obviously... We, Valencia have sort of been treated how we got treated with Leroy Sanes he's in the final year of his contract so it's I'm not going to say it's nice but it's sort of nice to do that to someone else rather than it having to happen to us um, but yeah he seems like a super talent I think I saw one of uh, one of his games in lockdown and he's picked out a 30 yard pass from nowhere and he seems to be quick agile can play on either side um, and it's, it's, I'm not going to say 20 million is not a lot of money. If it was for me, I'd 20 million would be a lot of money. I don't even own a house, Ian, like you mentioned before. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, in, in this market, 20 million is a fantastic, um, a fantastic fee. And we're not losing anything by, um, by signing him. I think it does create a dilemma as to obviously David Silva goes and you've got Phil Foden. But if that's the only problem that we've got in the squad, then. That's a fantastic position for us as a club to be in for me. Adam and Carl both happy with that uh, potential signing, I assume? Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if you remember in the 17-18 season, our most dynamic season, where we had the front three of Sonny, Sterling and Jesus or Aguero, we were dynamic. We had the left on the left and right on the right. This kid can play on the left and Sterling on the right. And we can rotate with, with Foden and Kevin De Bruyne in the middle with Rodrigo or Fernandinho. And that's, and that back line is, so, is set, and I'm looking forward to next season. The kid is good. I watched one game where he played against Atalanta, the Champions League. I think he had the, uh, the assist of that, in that game. He's all the goal. He was, really looks good. I've um, seen a lot of clips. Fast, quick, direct. Doesn't chop back on his left. He's direct. He'll take you one, one, and one. That's what we need. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think we've really missed Sane's dynamism. And he's, he's just ability to run at players. You know, and Mares is always cutting in and that's what he does. He's great at what he does, but he doesn't he rarely will just take on a man and just run at them and take on him like Leroy used to do. You know, we saw the, the goals against he scored against Liverpool Sane um over over the couple of seasons that we won the title. And he's just running past players and, and scoring and that's that we miss that so much. And I, I I'm not some Spanish football expert. I don't watch football too much apart from City, Premier League and uh, Champions League games really. Um but when you look at the compilation, which which always looks good, he's doing the right things in those videos. He's taking players on like that. So what I've seen in those videos, which can't hide the truth, even though they, they are highlight reels, but they, what I am seeing in those videos shows that he's capable of taking people on like Sane did. And I do feel like it's, an, it's a brilliant uh, little acquisition because he's, he's, he's still, he's young, it's cheap, 
Um, and we, we're going to get some really good years out of him, hopefully. And I think, yeah, Pep working with anyone, you know, is going to make him better. So if there's the basis of a really good player there, then I'm sure Pep can really make him into a, a top, top quality player. Well, one final quick question for you. You'll be able to guess what that question is in just a second. But quickly, I want to thank charleslouis.co.uk again. They were sponsors of the podcast, Chartered Mortgage Advisors. Have a look at the website. Have a look at the number. Thinking about getting a mortgage for yourself, for somebody else or through your business, give them a bell. Uh, support them uh, like they've supported this podcast. Um, great guest tonight. Richard has joined us from Madrid. We've got uh, George from 24-7 Football, which is his own YouTube channel. Have a, have a look at that. Adam, who writes for um, various different papers as he's growing his empire. We've got Carl over in the States. What a lineup we've had tonight. Um, just finally, guys, um, I'm, I'm staying straight away. I'm very confident City will beat Madrid. 2-1 up from the first leg. Um, obviously, key player missing as well, Sergio Ramos. I see no reason, although it's football and anything can happen, but I see no reason why City can't get through. Uh, Richard, what's the, what's the view from Madrid? I'm going to go for 2-1 City on the night. Confident? Yeah. George? Uh, yeah, I'll go 1-0. Th- I'll go 1-0 City. You don't have to give a score, by the way. It isn't, I never give scores, but, okay. you know, just, but you've gone for 1-0 one. One on the night. 1-0, I think, yeah, I think, I think we'll go through. Adam? Uh, I do think I do think we'll go through as well, uh, but I, th- I think we'll draw it. Maybe we might make it nervous. It's typical city. We'll probably make it nervy. I'll go. I'll go one all. <laughs> Carl, ever the optimist. I'll go two one. Uh, two one. Two one city. Brilliant. Brilliant. Listen, I can't thank you you guys uh, enough for your contribution to tonight's podcast. It's really appreciated. Um, obviously, enjoy the game and. Um, We'll speak to you again, and uh, as when I sit here and do this and look at your smiling faces on the screen, it reminds me, as always, how great it is to be a blue, because it is great to be a blue. See you next time. Mm-hmm.